When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Mark Hummel. I hope you're enjoying the Harmonica Party and the other content that we post on our channel. Now you can become part of the show for the price of a cheap cup of coffee. For three bucks a month, you can help bring the blues and the stories to you. Check out our Patreon page and join us for exclusive content, early releases of episodes, and some rewards specifically for our Patreon friends. Thanks for helping us keep the blues alive. Hi, I'm Mark Hummel. Welcome to the Harmonica Party Podcast, and I've got two special guests today, Rusty Zinn and Bob Welsh. These two have known each other and been playing together since uh, the mid-90s, is that correct? Early. Early, early 90s, 90s. Yes. Okay. And uh, two great, great musicians. Rusty has played uh, blues for many years now, as well as reggae. And uh, Bob plays both piano and guitar now uh, with the Elvin Bishop uh, Big Fun Trio and also Charlie Musselwhite recently, right? Um, again. Again, yeah. Again, yeah. Together again. Together. And uh, you're on a Grammy-nominated CD. Uh, yeah. With those guys, yeah, which is a great CD. It, yeah, it is a great one. And I, I think Rusty and I are both on another one, too, a Kim Wilson one. Are you, you're on that one, aren't you? Which one? The, uh, the, I don't know what it's, I think it's, it's, it's nominated for a Grammy, oh, too. Wow. Oh, yeah, know. yeah, okay, sure. right, right. Maybe one song. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right, the one uh, Big John, yeah, I think, yeah. put together. Right. I forget that, the title. None of, of none of those other CDs I did with Kim were nominated for Grammys? Is this the first time? That I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. I shall research it, though. But anyway, um, I just want to talk to you guys about, since this is uh, Mark Hummel's Harmonica Party podcast, I would like to get into the harmonica uh, backing that you guys are able to do so well, uh, probably in my book, better than just about anybody I can think of. Uh, you know, the two guitar backing that you guys are able to do, or, or piano and guitar, however, you know, you guys decide to slice it. You guys have a real knack for being able to play behind harmonica players and have worked with pretty much every a single one. <laughs> every one of them. Pretty much every one of Young, them. Young, old, yeah. alive, and yeah, dead. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, many recordings with the both of you behind different people. And uh, so, what I'd like to do is I'm just going to throw some names at you and you guys tell me, uh, tell me what you recall about working with some of these people. Um, I mean, one is obviously Kim Wilson, because you're playing with Kim at this point in the Fabulous Thunderbirds again. Yeah. I, oh, I met, I met Kim uh, through Rusty. Through Rusty, Probably right. in the late 90s. And I remember Rusty <laughs> was kind enough to get me to uh, sit in and play on a, 
and I was like really stiff, you know. And I think at some point, Kim just looked back at me and kind of shook his head. Where was that at? Where, where was that? <laughs> I don't even remember. But uh, but yeah, I've uh, and through you know through you, I've got to, to to back so many harmonica players, you know. Right, right on the harmonica blowouts. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And then I took uh, guitar lessons with Rusty when I first moved out here. So maybe what, maybe, maybe, what maybe about two or three, here? and then. Oh, what that? year did you move out here again? Uh, well, you know, I I, uh, I moved back out here in my early 20s. I don't remember what it was. It was no. more like I met Rusty in like 94, 95. Okay. Yeah, yeah 90, so then it was, 93, so 94, right. was somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, you had come from New Orleans uh, just a few years before that, right? A couple yeah. of years. I remember you were living in a little one-room country shack. Right? Yeah, I was. I was living uh, on Orleans and Rampart in the French Quarter. Wow. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, but I remember when you lived out here, you you literally lived in a blues oh, shack. Yeah. That was like yeah, that was I did. incredible, I lived man. In Palo Alto, that yeah. place. It was incredible, man. I was like, man, this guy's really living the blues life, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bob 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 took uh, I don't know, maybe two or three lessons from me and uh, and um, you know, we hit it off instantly and and uh, and like I think like the third lesson he goes at the end he goes to pay me and I go you should keep your money because he would come to the lesson showing me things, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. and, and it would usually turn out that I would just spin the, spin the lesson making you a, a cassette tape. That's back when you would right. record oh, yeah. records he on made, cassette. He made uh, all of a different piano Turn you on to people and stuff, too, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can get Jody Williams tape and everything. Yeah. yeah. Now, didn't you start playing piano sort of to play in Rusty's yeah, band? Yeah, kind of. I yeah. did, I did. I, I was playing guitar and... Uh, but you already played when you were a kid, right? Piano, you knew no, a little I, bit? No, I just... Um, you, you knew know, a little maybe, bit? Maybe I had a, a better feel on it, you know, at the time for some reason. And, he, and Rusty's like, hey, if you learn how to play, you can go on tour with me. Right. So I learned, you know. I right. learned competently enough to play in the keys that he was doing, you know. I, I remember because we, we lived in this house... In, uh, it was in West, it was West Oakland, and Emeryville was literally across the street. That place was just like falling to pieces, man. It was like that the the kitchen, dining area had been an add-on decades ago, and it was literally like hanging off the back <laughs> of the building. I mean, it was that place was bad news. But he would go down in the basement, and uh, there was no light down there. He'd go down there with a candle, and it was a dirt floor and cobwebs and spiders everywhere, and uh, and there was a old out of tune upright piano right. and I could hear Bob down there wow. you know learning how to play like Otis teaching himself how to play like Otis Span and stuff and yeah now didn't you record your first album at that house I did yeah, yeah. I yeah, did yeah right. yeah um yeah. and and people Steve Lucky on piano yeah and, and uh, Kim was on it and uh and Kim and was yeah Ronnie Ronnie James, Ronnie James and, then, uh, and Richard Innes, Richard Innes and right. we had uh Rob Suddeth and John Fur the right. late John Furman on on uh, saxophones and yeah, but uh, but that that house, I don't I don't know if we even knew we would get that good of a sound. But I don't think, I don't think I ever made a record that quite sounded quite as sonically as good a, as that, that place. That was a great you know? sounding yeah. room. Yeah. So both you, so you got the gig with Kim Wilson early on. You got it right out 91, of my band. Ninety one, ninety two, yeah. something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had a real close uh, relationship with Snooky Pryor, as you know, right. and so uh, I brought him in on some. Shows, I, you know, early on I would just be the lone guitar player, but then I just thought, oh, we've got to get Bob and get the two guitar sound. Who else did we back up? Carrie uh, Bell and Pine Top Perkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did Bob, Bob and I did a lot of work with Pine Top together, and uh, Pine Top loved 
He loved your piano playing and guitar playing. So did playing, he show you stuff, Pine Top Perkins? Yeah, I sat down with him a couple of times for hours. Yeah, he, he would show me, you know, how to play like his version of the forty-four blues. That's awesome. Yeah, he was a real yeah. generous guy, man. Yeah. yeah, that's so awesome. And then we, and then Bob and I played together in Charlie Musselwhite's band briefly. You, you, you already had the gig, right? And I was subbing for Kurt. Oh, I that's think. right. Well, I actually played with Charlie. Before Bob and Randy and those guys got the gig, I, I uh, Stu Blank had quit, right? And it was John Wiedemeyer's great guitar player and great friend it was his last tour with Musclewhite, and Charlie wanted a fifth piece, so instead of getting a keyboard, he hired me. So I did a tour, oh, and yeah, then I right. did, and then me and Charlie did some duo gigs, which were terrific, man. That. It was yeah. uh, just me and him. I would open playing solo, then he would come out without me and do solo and then he'd come I'd come back out and we'd do a few songs and, and Charlie would always say, The greatest thing about this gig, toes up by midnight. <laughs> right. About about a year later, Kirk Fletcher quit to join the T he was he had got the muscle white gig after Wiedemeyer left. Right. And he quit to join the T Birds and uh and Bob and Randy were already in the band and then I I played with them for about well, four didn't, months. Didn't, yeah. I thought Kid yeah. joined right after Kirk. No. No, he was after me. I, but, you know, I it's all around that guys. time. It's like, you know, we, we were all back to back. Right. But I played with them for four months. And, um, and um, um, yeah, and it was just, God, it was, that was a lot of fun. We went to, it's the first time I'd ever been to Italy. Oh, yeah. We went to Italy with right. Muscle White. And I'd never, I'd been to all, all over Europe and I'd never been to Italy. And it was like a dream come true to go there, you know. We got to go to Italy one time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that was fun well, that was too, fun. man. Yeah. The other, the, so so Carrie, I think we did quite a few things with Off and On, as I recall. Yeah, we did. It, w weren't you on, yeah, you were on the one in uh, 2002, I think it was. Yeah, I think Wasn't so. Wasn't that the one with Carrie and Freund and uh, yeah, uh, Cephas Lester and Wiggins, or, Lazy Lester? Yeah, I that tour. Played at yeah. Mo's Alley. And, right, we have an album at Mo's Alley yeah, that yeah. we did. Yeah. Both of you guys play with James Cotton, as I recall. Oh, I know yeah. you did with yeah. me, and then I can thought, I can I tell them about yeah, the first time yeah. I played with James Cotton? Sure, yeah. It was in '92, and uh, when I first kind of started to play with Kim, and uh, Kim flew me down to Austin to do a Friday and Saturday night at Antones, and then I was supposed to fly home on a Sunday. Cotton was coming. Him and Jack, he was living in Memphis at right. the time, and him and his wife Jackie were driving in from Memphis, and uh, Derek O'Brien was supposed to play, of course, right. house guitar player, great guitar player. And uh, he dropped a speaker on his hand or something, and he like he, he had to have stitches. He sliced his fingers open, and hmm. so they said, "Well, you uh, we're keeping you over. We're changing your plane flight, and you're going to back James Cotton." And you know, I mean, this was like the most unbelievable experience because you know, I mean, Cotton. I had seen him so many times from when I was a teenager, right. and I'd seen him with Tucker and and. Uh, and you and Tucker, we should talk about that. Yeah, too. yeah, Tucker yeah. was you know yeah. was my first kind of mentor and teacher and uh right. and so i mean you know getting to do this gig with cotton it was just like it was just like i just couldn't believe it was happening i was staying with clifford that night and clifford drives me to the club and there's james getting they had the, they had the shoe shine stand up front right when you'd walk into the club and he was getting shoe shine and so i went and sat next to him and got my shoe shine too and clifford clifford anton goes james this is your guitar player rusty he's like nice to meet you you know and this is back when he was still singing too right. before he had totally lost his voice I was really nervous, and we get up to play, and we had George Raines and Sarah Brown just to, so it was kind of naked. I felt yeah. a little naked, you know, no, no keys or other guitar. And anyway, um, I was really nervous, and I remember my knees kind of like shaking, and 
And uh, the first chord I hit on the first song, James just kind of, and he looks over at me, and he got a big smile on his face. And I thought, okay, this is this is gonna be this will be cool, you know. And then he handed me a solo in that song, and he walks over to me and he goes, "Boy, you take me back to West Memphis." Yeah, and I just that that was compliment. just I just yeah. I just thought, man, I could die and go to heaven now. That was that was an amazing experience. Yeah. And uh, then I sat in with him sometimes when he would come through town. Um, and then I got to tour with him with you. Was did you? was yeah, yeah that's at, right. at least once. Yeah, yeah. At least no, once, we did. Yeah. I think we might have done a couple times. No, we maybe. did a couple because yeah. we did uh, at least one or two in '07. I can't remember if you were there or not. I think I was. I were think you, you were. You with, were definitely. We went to the Northwest with yeah, those guys. Yeah, with yeah. Curtis Salgado. Yeah. So we did one in, in the winter and one in the fall. Right. I mean, to me, he's one of the greatest yeah. ever. He must have flipped when he heard you play Otis Fan, you know? Yeah, he's like he's like piano player. You don't think he really never. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like those Jamaican guys, they never he's know like names. Piano, you know? He's like, you take me back to Otis Fan. And I'm like, oh, well, what more of a compliment can you know, you know, I always want? thought when he would, when Cotton would do that, that, that little lick where he goes, went fiddle it, went fiddle it, went fiddle it. I always yeah. thought he was copping. Otis Fan's uh, right hand, you know, on the high key yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, but you know, Walter did that lick too, though. Oh, okay. So I don't I know. I think those guys were probably we all bouncing yeah. off of each yeah, other. But you know? definitely, that sounds like a piano. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was sad when he couldn't sing anymore because, I mean, even though you wouldn't classically think he's like the greatest singer, he he sang. He was like a human jukebox. He yeah, knew he totally. Was. He knew the yeah. lyrics to every song, and so and he just. I was gonna gave, say Billy Boy. I liked his singing talked, a lot. Yeah. Billy Boy always talked about how Cotton always knew the latest tunes. Yeah. And it didn't matter if it was soul, R and B, blues, whatever, rock and roll. He knew all. He knew the so many songs. songs yeah. You know. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Bob, about how you got the Elvin gig. I know you were playing with John Nemeth, as I recall, right before. I was, yeah, I was playing with John, and I think that I. You know, I'd met Elvin on probably one of those blues cruises or something and played with him a couple times and even went over and recorded a record with him. With him and John together? Yeah, with him and John together. And then uh, he called me up later and asked if I could do a tour, but I was already on the road with John. I didn't want to cancel, you know. And uh, then a couple of months later, I'm like, you know, I, I think I'd, I would like an op you know, the opportunity to play with this guy. So I called him up and got into his band. Yeah. And uh, I've been with him ever since. Yeah. And you guys started the Big Fun Trio, I guess, after he kind of let the band go, or, or how did that work? He, I mean, he started doing the Big Fun Trio. As the band was still around, right. He did like maybe one or two gigs a year, you know. And then he just decided he liked doing that better. He got tired of... Um, he downsized. He downsized. <laughs> he downsized, and he probably, he probably wanted to change. I mean, that, that's the interesting thing about music, is how, you know, we all kind of go into this thing where we got to find new... Kind of outlets for music. You with reggae, or you know, you you taking different gigs. You know, yeah. I, just, I mean, everybody's got to go in the direction that they're that's speaking to them. I, I was going to bring up a, a couple of the old guys that you know that you know you guys have had a chance to work with. I've had a chance to work with people like Willie Big Eye Smith is another one yeah. uh, that to me was just a great guy to hang around. By the way, for folks that don't know, Willie Big Eye Smith was a drummer for Muddy Waters for, God, 30 years or something off and on. And then uh, you had uh, uh, Pine Top was the piano player, Pine Top Perkins. And then uh, Dave Myers was the guitar player for Little Walter originally and a member of the Aces. So you you got to do a record on, on Dave on Blacktop, which That's was a, a great album. Yeah, I, I first album. met Dave through Randy Chortkoff when uh, I was tapped 
to do a tour, a ten day tour up and down the coast, and there was this insane review. Dave was playing bass, and uh, Jimmy Rogers was one of the stars. Carrie Bell, Billy Boy Arnold, um, Andy Santana was there. Freddie Robinson did some shows with oh, us. Wow. Tucker was okay. on the whole yeah. thing, right. and uh, everybody got a chance to do a portion. It was a long night, you know, ten nights, and uh, Dave and I didn't really hit it off well. At first, he was kind of like that. And plus, I was, yeah, was plus like I was that. probably kind of a punk too. And we right. just kind of bumped heads, and uh, yeah. and by the but by the end of the ten days, we were Thick as we just these. yeah we were yeah. just so we just became friends, and <laughs> and then I would stay with him when I'd go to Chicago and have some nights off with you sometimes. Right. I'd, I'd stay right. with him. There was one day where we had a day off, and and everybody went out except me and Dave stayed at Randy's house, and we just right. hung out together. And there was uh, my guitar was laying there. Dave just picked it up, and started playing, and I was like. Because it just like it was like yeah. he was, was like so, he was in a cocoon. He just yeah, played exactly yeah. like he exactly did with Little like Walter. Exactly like the fifties, yeah. And uh, and then he and I, I don't know. I don't know if I could take credit for it, but I think at, after that he started playing guitar more, more guitar, and more. Yeah. Folks in Chicago wanted him to make a solo record, and uh, he had turned down a deal with Delmark, a deal with Earwig, maybe some others. I don't remember, but I just I called him up one day. I said, "Look, I said, you know, the reality is." You know these labels; they don't have a million dollars to give us. You know, I said you can get you can get a cash advance, and you know you can make some money off this, but it's you're not we're not going to become millionaires off this. I said you need to make a record before you're six feet in the ground, Dave. I literally told that to him, and and I guess he took it to heart, and uh, and then we took him to Blacktop. I wound up uh, being the producer. It was frustrating for me because as wanted to be the producer I wanted to make this just stone Chicago ensemble record where the guitars and the harp and piano were all having that conversation like they yeah. did back and uh, and Dave wanted to do like a bunch of Fats Domino songs <laughs> and I mean great 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 material great you know? songs but great not really stuff. represented wasn't really what I wanted yeah. to do and so yeah. so that record to me like about half of it has the vision that I was hearing right. Dave in right I think to me the, the the highlight of that record is I mean I haven't heard it in years but what I always remember the highlight being Elevate Me Mama was the, oh, yeah. was the one that was right. like the there was the, also an instrumental I remember I that he say, played yeah. that was really cool yeah 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 yeah, yeah. A guitar um, le- le- yeah. legs out or legs something yeah. some weird it's title. great yeah. but um, there's a whole there's there's like at least another album's worth, if not two albums worth of material. Wow. So there's so much stuff with that Chicago sound that never yeah. saw it's the light of day, bad. you know. So The other guy I want to talk about a little bit of, of the harmonica players is Billy Boy, because both you guys uh, have done a lot of stuff, a lot yeah. of different tours and, and gigs. and He was part of that tour with yeah, Jimmy Rogers. Yeah, how he, how he was kind of um, dressed like a, a, a truant officer at the time. <laughs> He was a truancy officer, but yeah, he reminded me of like my history teacher. He had a tweed right. coat with leather elbow patches, and right. it was before he got signed to Alligator and kind of got his career resumed, relaunched. Yeah, relaunched yeah. And, uh, yeah. um, but but he still sounded great. He's, oh yeah, he still, yeah. you know, he well, still voice, had the voice, yeah, and, voice and, was, and he still had that kind of Sunny yeah. Boy One stuff. And we did all classic, you know, VJ all his classic VJ yeah. sides. I was fooled, and uh, of course, I wish you would, and and. Yeah. Uh, that tour was a was actually a Little Walter tour tribute. Right, the whole right. tour was a tribute to Little Walter. So he would do "You're So Fine." And, right, you know, my mom really liked Billy Boy's records a lot, and we used to at the, around the house we used to play that VJ stuff a lot. So right. to 
to just even get to meet the guy was just like I couldn't believe it. Yeah. First time he'd ever played in California. That's amazing. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was always really excited that I if I had any opportunity to get the chance to play with him, you know. Yeah. And uh but he was always really nice and he's really really smart and knows still he all loves the both of you guys yeah. i mean he really he really loves playing with both you guys I mean, you know, he we, always, have a, we have a good connection with Billy yeah, boy yeah, he's, a, he's a good good cat man, you know all right and he has a great new book out he's 86 now wow, wow. yeah and uh so he'll be 87 if i hire him in 2023 and i know he is starting to consider gigs again so i'm i'm looking at maybe having him on that yeah, yeah. which would be awesome God, it's amazing. He's amazing, man. He's very ageless. He's kind of the picture of Dorian Gray. He's ageless, and he and he, <laughs> and he fears no man, only mountain lions. <laughs> <laughs> the best part was when he said that, and then there was an attack yeah. like a week later. We, 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 we were when he got him. home, we were, yeah. we were giving him a hard time about his fear of mountain lions. And the other thing <laughs> was when he gets stuck in the seatbelt in my van. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Mark, help me out of here. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's one of a kind though, he's man. He's great. I mean, when he first came on the scene and you know recording in Chicago, I mean nobody sounded like that. Yeah, yeah. he really had a unique thing, man. Yeah, well, to me, him and Lil Walter had a very similar thing in the sense of that they both sounded very youthful because well, course, they were so yeah. young. Yeah. They Junior both Wells had this, too. They really had, but yeah. they really had like almost a, a sound that translated to rock and roll. Oh, that's I see why what, I think I see those what you guys, mean, yeah. Those guys ended up on yeah. a lot of the package tours because of that, I think. Yeah. And then uh, the last guy I want to talk about, Luther Tucker, who okay. was a uh, huge influence on you and and definitely an influence yeah, on, on both of us. Well. Yeah. Talk first about Well, you know, I always wanted to... I, when I loved blues and I got into Little Walter, I was taken by the guitar playing behind them, you know? And I wanted to learn how to play like that. And I, so I took lessons with Rusty, and of course he learned from Luther Tucker... Right. So Rusty was able to show me all this stuff that I couldn't really figure out, you know. But Rusty really is the guy that that uh, that knew him so well, you know. Right. I, yeah, it was kind of a relatively short time that I knew him, and in, in hindsight, it's weird. I, I met him. So I, the first time I saw him was uh, he came through the West Coast on an Antones Blues Review with Jimmy Rogers, uh, Buddy Guy, Pine Top, Willie, and Fuzz. Kim was there. Tucker, Mel Brown. I mean, it was just Angel Straley when she had that great band we were talking about earlier. Right. Denny Freeman and George Raines and all that. Just a killer package. And uh, I was 17. I wasn't even old enough to get in. They played the Catalyst in Santa Cruz. Right. And somehow, my mom and then this guy, Ben, who was the first guy to teach me to play guitar, he played keyboards with Loggins and Messina, and he oh, toured yeah, with that yeah, and yeah. James. Yeah. Really fantastic musician. Yeah. Somehow, they talked... They got me in there. I don't know how it happened, but I got in there. So there's me and my mom and Ben up on this on the big balcony up there at the cat. And the place was just a sea of people. It was completely packed. It's back when people actually valued live music. <laughs> and uh, the guy I really wanted to see was Jimmy Rogers and probably Buddy Guy too at the time. It was before Buddy really exploded. But Tucker was. Uh, Cotton was there too, right. and Tucker played a set with Jimmy Rogers and he did a set with Cotton and it was just like. I just couldn't. It was un, it was unbelievable. I wasn't even really that tuned into him at that point yeah. through records. Even I yeah. mean, I knew his name, right. and I knew about him a little bit, and knew he was a guy that was there. But I didn't hadn't really, you know, looked into him, and and it just it changed my life. And um, about a year later, 
maybe in 88, Bill Campbell introduced us. And so I called him and I said, hey, I'm going to come see you guys. And uh, he goes, oh, I'll, you know, I'll put you on the list and everything. And I had my gear in my trunk because I had done a private party gig that, that afternoon. And then right. I went straight to the gig. And so Tucker plays a set and I'm just in heaven watching him do, you know, his thing, you know, just by himself, you yeah. know. There we are at Zelda's and he does a set. And on the break, we're outside getting some air. And uh, the doorman goes, hey, Rusty, are you, you know, he knew me because I played there too. Right. Local. And he goes, hey, are you playing tonight? And I go, are you kidding me? No way, man. I'm here to see this guy. This guy's my hero, you know. And, and Tucker goes, he's playing with us. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, and he goes, you got your axe with you? And I go, actually, I do. I go, I did a private party gig today. And, and he looks back at the door guy and he goes, keep playing with us. And so I'm like going, oh, my God. So he, uh, he says, go set your gear up. And I'll call you up on the next set, you know. So he's up there, he's playing, and like he's getting the mic, and he's going, uh, "We have a celebrity in the house tonight." <laughs> and, and I'm just, I'm just sitting there. I'm just my knees. Where is he? My knees are shaking, man. And man, and so I got up and played with him, and uh, and I and I will never forget. We did a we did a, a, a up tempo swing and shuffle thing, and when he handed me a solo. I played that... Uh, Coach's Better Days. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Right. You know, right. All I could do was really play like him at that point. Right. And he just looked over and he just got this big grin. And, oh, uh, I bet. And, and that started... Uh, that was the beginning of our friendship. Uh, you know, we wound up going on the road together a little bit. We did gigs together with icons. You know, the first time I played with Snooky Pryor, you were there. Right. Me and Tucker yeah, were the guitar there. players. That was a great game. I mean, I, I had just amazing... Yeah. Moments with him, but and, he, but didn't he like you know through Tucker you got to like shake hands with like Robert Jr. Lockwood and, and meet all kinds of guys like Lewis Myers and you know, I, uh, Tucker introduced Tucker introduced me to Lewis Myers that was a, that was that was a really special uh, night I actually met Lockwood through June oh but okay. June when Robert found out that I was you know June was like you know right, he, right, he was right. uh, he goes Tucker kind of mentored him when he was younger and he goes right. and so whenever Lockwood would see me after that he go I remember you you Tucker's boy you know you Tucker's little boy you know but it, you know, I met Tucker and interest he, interesting because of the the fact that Robert Junior did that to Tucker. Yeah, he yeah. taught Tucker. Yeah, so Tucker kind of did. So he that was with he you. was fond of Tucker, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I met Tucker in '88, and he died in '93. So rel- wow. it was a relatively short time yeah. that I knew him. You know, as far as him showing me things, people blow that up bigger than it is because really, Tucker didn't want to even have a guitar in his hands unless he was on a gig. Right. So I would literally pull his guitar out and strap it on him and get him cornered. I'd get him in a corner and I'd be like, what was that thing you were doing last night? You know? And, 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 and I'd try to play it and he'd go, oh, that's this, you know? And so he would show me things, right. but it wasn't like... And he, he would... turned you on to a lot of people too. Well, like he... Tiny Grimes. And he turned me on to Tiny Grimes. Right. Um, but uh, this is all before I met Junior Watson, who right. Junior was obviously a... Um, when he came into my life, he opened all kinds of doors of right. finding out about different people and but, uh, and he worked with Tucker. And he worked with yep. Tucker too back yep. in the seventies with sure Gary did. Smith and yep. and Tucker had a, Tucker told me he had a seventy eight when he was a teenager by Tiny Grimes was rocking the blues away, uh, which is a great Tiny Grimes instrumental. And Tucker did a version of that live. Huh. You, you surely saw it. Could you be. almost wouldn't I, recognize I, you it. You know, I wasn't I wasn't really hip to Tiny Grimes when I met. Well, Tucker. he played this instrumental and he yeah. totally played it in his yeah. style, of course. But right. Um, the other guy that he turned me on to was, uh, I was trying to find out where did this guy's sound come from, you know. Who else besides Robert Jr.? And he goes, a, a cat named Lee Jackson. 
Wow. And I didn't even know who Lee Jackson was. Yeah. And I, and I, I go, yeah. who's that? And he goes, oh, if you have a final record called Fishing in My Pond, I suggest you pick it up, you know. And, and then like yeah. a week or two later, I'm at Village Music in Mill Valley, and there's right. Fishing in My Pond by Lee Jackson. It was all, yeah. it was so mystical. Everything was yeah. just all falling into place and yeah. coming and together. And he was very Robert Jr. kind of style, too, in a way. Lee Jackson? Yeah. Well, I think all those bit, guys, yeah. I think Robert Jr. was was kind of the godfather, don't you? Of I yeah. think everybody was looking at him oh, probably yeah. in some yeah. sense, you know. Uh, for Everybody from Joe Willie Wilkins to... Yeah, I think Robert right. Jr. That's affected right. everybody. To B.B. King. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Totally. To B. B. He yeah. gave B.B. lessons, apparently. Yeah. Robert yeah. Jr. Now, Joe Willie is another guy. Actually, the only guy I've ever heard play what sounds like Joe Willie to me is my friend Bob. I mean, he, right. he, he plays that I style. I know he does. Because usually yep. us as guitar players, when we play behind somebody doing Sonny Boy, we jump on Robert Lockwood. Right. He goes to Joe Willie, and it's great, man. Yeah, because, yeah know, I agree. I, I don't yeah. get a chance to play like that too often. You well, know, you know, so you're, you're on the, the, the Blues Harmonica uh, Blowout album, you, you, and you play that stuff behind Magic Dick, I remember. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when we did yeah, that. because he would do Pontiac Blues. Because he would do yeah. Pontiac Blues, and you were, doing the, uh, you were doing the solo on it. You know who really loved Joe Willie, too, was Jimmy Rogers. Oh, he was yeah. crazy about Joe yeah. Wilkins, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the last guy we want to talk about here is Jimmy Rogers because he was such a huge part of, I know, your history, and I'm sure your history as well. And uh, I know for myself, he was really the first idol that I had in Chicago blues. Besides little Walter and Muddy, it was like, to me, that those three were the triumvirate of Chess Records, uh, the, the, the really great sound that those guys had together between the guitars and the harmonica all melding together. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's really cool because he's like a, um, he played in Muddy Waters' band, but he has that sound, he's a singer-guitar player who has a very harmonica-heavy yes. guy. And must be the, what influenced all the West Coast people in California, as they call Seems it like today, it, yeah. You know? Seems but Rusty like uh, introduced me to him one time, I know you at Biscuits and Blues. I got to meet oh, him one time. Okay. Right. I never got to play with him, but you did a couple of tours with him. Or... I did, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you toured yeah. with him with Randy, and then we and did the tour you, together. And then, then I used right. to sit in with him when he'd come through town. And, right. and Actually, he was a huge fan of yours. I, I mean, it was it was so funny <laughs> to watch because Rusty would be playing a solo, and you could see just Jimmy going, you know. We, we, like, were, we were close. We were, you guys, we, we had a closeness, he, obviously, yeah. he obviously really, really loved what you did because you were so yeah. much out of his, his style. I really wish really... I could go back and play with him now, not saying that I've mastered anything, but I just feel like I have a better understanding of the music. I think, I think what he liked was just the spirit that I loved this stuff. I, looking back on it, I don't think I played so well behind him as, as well as I think I could now, but... Um, but it was always a great learning experience. And uh, and then, you know, the way he played is yeah. the foundation for the way me and Bob play together. Right, because exactly. Because we lived, when Bob and I lived together in that house where we, where we had done that first Blacktop record, um, we used to talk about how most guys would be like on a gig, you know, say, okay, I'll, I'll play top and you play bottom, you know. And right. me and Bob were like, man, these guys, it's not... Very it's interwoven. Not as, it's not as easy as that. It's right. they're they're weaving around each other, yeah. you know, Muddy's on the top here, and then sometimes he goes to the bottom, and right. vice versa, and so we listened to that, and I think we developed our own take on that. Yeah, I think um, so, I mean, especially you know, when you listen to like a, a, 
a shuffle. If you could imagine Jimmy Rogers playing the guitar, you know he's picking some high strings too. Totally. You know? Right. And Dave and Lewis. Same thing. I think that was the blueprint. Was Muddy and Jimmy Rogers for them doing that? You yeah, know? totally. And, exactly. And yeah. so that whole thing is. Uh, you and then really Tucker and Robert had a different almost. They had a thing. different vibe, and we yeah. we 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 yeah. we jumped on board on that. The only guys that I've seen, I'm sure there's other guys that can do it, but the only guys I ever saw do the two guitar snaking around each other like me and Bob love to do was one night you were there. We saw Johnny Dyer play at the Sunset Social oh, Club God, yes, with Rick yes. Hallstrom and oh, Chris. Yeah. I don't remember that Chris's was, last Chris's, name. Uh, but I'm blanking on it. Now. But those guys yeah. had an amazing yeah. uh, guitar thing going that night. They it was, sure it was did. crazy, oh, yeah, crazy yeah, yeah, good. Sure yeah. Did. Sure yeah, I remember did. they did Can't Hold Out Much Longer. Oh, it was like, perfect. wow. That's, you know? that's yeah. a great example of like... Muddy and, and Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. See, that that's really what got me into both guitar and harmonica was that recording, Can't Hold Out Much Longer by Lil Walter, the way that the guitars locked in together and, and interwove with the harmonica... To me, that's like some of the most spectacular. Yeah, that's stuff ever. That's what got well, when me he and I lived together, we both had our record collections in that house, and uh, it was a great time period of turning each other onto music, and 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 uh, I learned a lot from Bob during that time, and and uh, it was just it was an exciting time, man, because we were young, and you know, and, it was and just back like, then it was like you, you know you go play a club. And it's got a mix of young, old people. Right. People right. wanted to go see live yeah, that's music. That's right. You know? yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a much different time, different. I think. It's weird. It's only 20 years ago, but yeah, it, seems it like, feels it seems like, like a lifetime ago <laughs> in terms Things of... Things are so different yeah, now, yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. amazing. But I remember so many nights, you know, on the blowouts with you guys, where I would just sit back and you'd be backing up Harmon or Cotton or somebody else, and I'd just be going, Wow. Harmon was so. These uh, guys really. Harmon was, was easily. that simpatico. Harmon was easily pleased because if, if I would just, I'm sure it was the same with you. If I would just hit a ninth chord, yeah, he'd just go, he'd, <laughs> and he'd go, he'd, be, he'd go, he'd go, and he'd go, yeah, yeah, Willie Johnson, play those Willie, and right. all you're doing is hitting ninth chords and sliding right. them around, and he just thought that was the, well, it's right. so the best rare. thing, he, you know. It's so rare. Well, and it's know, so cool blue. because you know those kind of things. Those are some of the first things that we probably first played when we when we were trying to figure out how to play blues was. Taking a piece of a ninth chord and sliding it like those records. And, oh yeah. And we still, those things are still, still the foundation yeah. of what we do. And it's like, they're simple, but they're deceptively simple. You know, yeah. what I mean, it's like those things are. Uh, you, you can't get away from that. That's the sound. You That's know? if you listen to you know, like Jimmy Reed. You know, it's, it's it sounds deceptively simple, but right. it's really hard to play. Oh, that's right. Harmonica, <laughs> yeah. guitar, everything. There's it's another really great two guitar yep. team, right? Another There's Jimmy yeah. Reed and Eddie Jimmy Taylor. Jimmy Reed and Eddie yeah. Taylor, absolutely. You know? But all that, even the, all the high stuff that Jimmy Reed plays, it's like yeah. specific and on purpose. Oh, yeah. It's like, and it's not easy. Oh, you yeah. Know? Well, that's the truth about it's all It's not blues. easy, and all the guitars are not easy. They're what I think, specific. one thing I think I think about often, I think it's so odd about people like Bob and myself is when a kid usually gets into blues they're gonna go to albert king or someone that's right. really the guitar is in your face yeah, and, string and i don't know it's so weird as kids i guess we we both gravitated towards more sidemen kind of sound like the underdog guys you know and yeah i don't know just something about the right. subtlety i i, I like the song you know the like, song the is song the, maybe the song is king yeah the song and like yeah. and i of course i love yeah, 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 no, there's no... It's great, it's yeah. fantastic, but it's like... Um, it's been done to death. Yeah. That's the yeah, difference. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you know, harmonicas, I guess Lil Walter's been done to death, too, sure, but the, yeah, difference is, yeah. the difference is 
that you guys have such a lock on it compared to most of the musicians that I've heard. The funny thing is, I don't even think we even play it like the records anymore. I think no, we've kind you, of we morphed into our own. Doing it. Yeah. We've morphed into our own version of it, which is right. it's it's close enough to to fit foot the bill, you know. Like yeah, you know. I mean, and if if we were to play it the same way every time, it would it would. Be be Those guys yeah. never play no, the same never twice. Did. So it's like when no. guys copy the records, that's hey, guitar players out there, don't copy the records. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other thing I was gonna I was gonna say, I remember one time we were playing with Piazza, Rod Piazza, and and he was knocked out with the fact that you guys kind of were doing this more trebly <laughs> tone on the guitars. He remember we, that? We, we had I think yeah. I almost think we consciously talked about that. We were like, you know what? Rod's coming. I've been seeing Rod for years. Right. I'm a fan. But when you see him with the Flyers, it always had that little Walter right. vintage sound. And I said, let's play like when Rod would have played in the 60s in ghetto clubs with right. Marshall Hooks and these guys. Right. And so we just like, we had our super reverbs and we just went for brittle, steadily yeah. <laughs> piercing tone. And, and we were, he loved it. And he loved it. He, he loved flipped. it. The yeah. next day he was like, I remember at, we were at the sound check at Yoshi's, and he goes, "Man, you and your partner Bob just like you know, like he was really knocked out." And yeah. it was kind of—I don't know—it kind of surprised me, but then again, it didn't because I figured it would kind of take him back to a yeah. time, you know. Right. It was just um, different. It was—it was a different approach, yeah. and it was kind of like, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, when they hear something that's not the typical thing, that you know. Well, Rusty and I always kind of hate cookie cutter guitar players. Exactly. You know? <laughs> And that's, that's what I, I agree. Yeah, I feel yeah, the yeah, same yeah, way. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to that point, but after years of doing this, right. I have really gotten yeah. to the point where it's like you have to do something that's going to be out of the box for me. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't you don't hear guys yeah. talk about Sammy Lawhorn in the same breath mm -hmm. as Albert King and Freddie King nope. and all that. And a guy like him, like or Eddie Taylor. Yeah, or, yeah. But I mean, like a guy just like Sammy Lawhorn's another guy that like oh, like he just sounds so unique. Right. And I don't know. I always, I always like to hear something different, you know. Oh, and Jody yeah. Williams. Jody Williams. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's so Matt many, there's so many great guys. Them. You know. It's yeah. Yeah. So much inspiration out there. You know. Hi, I'm Mark Hummel. I hope you're enjoying the Harmonica Party and the other content that we post on our channel. Now you can become part of the show for the price of a cheap cup of coffee. For three bucks a month, you can help bring the blues and the stories to you. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards.